0: Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville.
1: A podcast where the two of us often will sit down and interview a business owner, artist, entrepreneur, creative, maker of some sort or another from Asheville to learn about their business, learn about their personal lives, and learn about how they are making it in Asheville.
0: And in this episode, we are taking a break from interviewing, and instead we're talking about our own experience of making it in Asheville.
1: So we moved here just over three weeks ago, and the process has been, I'd say, loaded with learning experiences. And we tried to build a framework for this podcast that would be um, transferably beneficial. So whether you live here now or considering moving here in the future or will never be a Ashevillean, Ashevilleite, someone who lives in Asheville, this podcast episode should still be beneficial
0: so without further ado here is episode number five the things we wish we knew before moving enjoy cheers
1: so uh, loosely, our idea for the podcast is going to be um, things we've learned about the move, right? So like how to move well, uh, things we've learned about finding an apartment, neighborhoods in Asheville, Asheville generally, um, and then uh, what it's like settling in, what we've learned about Asheville in the time since. Does that sound okay?
0: So uh, what I wanted to do is kind of go back and say what are the things that we wish we knew before moving to Asheville, slash what are the things that we we felt like went really well and what we were really surprised about during the move. And hopefully that resonates with anybody that is looking to move to Asheville or has already moved here and is interested in knowing kind of what the process was like.
1: Yeah, because... I don't suspect this will be our last apartment. And I think that, you know, moving from Brooklyn to Asheville is a version of a move, but the lessons have still been transferable. For sure. Cool.
0: For sure. Yeah.
1: So, Sarah, uh, on a, I guess, on a zoomed out macro sense, how do you think the move went for us?
0: Uh, I think that we were ready. I think that we had been talking about it for a while. So we were very mentally prepared. And a lot of people asked us, are you scared? Are you nervous? How do you feel? And our answer was always just like, yep, we're ready. Like, we're ready to do this. Um, I think that there were a lot of things that were as expected, but also a lot of things that were very surprising about the move, things that I didn't think about before.
1: So maybe let's go with the surprising stuff because maybe the as expected won't be as interesting. What things surprised you?
0: Um, I think I, I was surprised by the, the people. I mean, let's go back to this, but I, I really am just shocked at how friendly and welcoming people have been. We had like zero friends before moving here. Like we knew of like one person through a friend. A friend of a friend, loosely.
1: And then we met Derek at a restaurant on a trip. So it's not like we had friends mm-hmm. we were moving. We knew like see-
0: two people, let's just say. Like new, like acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah. And I already feel like in the past three weeks we've made friends. Yeah. Like people that I genuinely that we've hung out like with multiple times and that I can see in the future as hanging out with like you know again and again and again yeah. which is really crazy like that didn't happen when i moved to brooklyn not that i didn't meet friends but it just was a little harder to get that community feel
1: yeah that's a cool surprise yeah i think i was surprised at what picking a moving company would be like and maybe it was just the moving company we chose but i i I don't, you know, I'm not, Sarah will say for sure that I'm not OCD uh, because I make messes all the time and can excuse weird things (laughs) for sure. (laughs) But I do have this thing about like process as a business and trying to, you know, over communicate and manage people's expectations. And I was astounded at how poorly our expectations were managed by a quote-unquote five-star moving company. Uh, and I think that experience was my biggest surprise and learning experience. And if you want more, Sarah, I can give people more <laughs> about that. But I wouldn't ch- I wouldn't necessarily change it because it worked out. It was fine. Right. right. And I do think that one of the things that we said was like, man, that was actually really awesome. Pa- Who would have thought that paying people to move stuff out of our apartment you know truck it down here and then move it the boxes at least into our apartment would a cost less than doing it ourselves and you hauling it down here
0: yeah it, that was really surprising to me we we looked into both and originally our plan was let's we're going to rent a u-haul we're going to fill it with all of our stuff uh, and we're going to drive it down when we move yeah, and over, we just assumed that that was like the cheapest option like do it yourself but after looking into some moving companies, and granted you had some help from your former trucker, truck driver uh, grandfather who knew someone, but yeah. still, I, I I don't think that those the price that they quoted us on was far off from no no it, it was it, so to, price. so
1: to be to be clear my gr- so my grandfather owned a trucking company for fifty years and he's still in his early eighties. Uh, works in logistics for trucking so he'll so like find uh drivers and routes and make stuff work for trucking companies today but he he just said you have to be out of your mind to want to drive a u-haul to north carolina I was like, oh, but the Blue Ridge Mountain, everyone says it's so nice. You know, I'm like, oh, it's only 12 hours. It's like, you know, it'll yeah, be two that's, days. Yeah, that's like
0: driving a car, right? Like, right. like what could have been nice, but driving a U-Haul.
1: And so just to make things really kind of like concrete and explicit, we're looking at uh, the rental for a U-Haul without gas for us would have been about, I want to say $1,700, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we would have had a gas it. Um, we would have drove, drove it. We would have uh, stayed overnight, stayed overnight. Probably. maybe mm-hmm. tried to camp, but then you have this U-Haul, which a lot of people told, you know, I knew of someone or heard of someone who's like, U-Haul got broken into when they yeah because you know, People it. see it and they're people like, see it. oh, that's loaded with stuff. Right. Like, you know, yeah. and so, and so that was about 1700 and hiring this moving company, uh, without tips. We were quoted at like fourteen ninety, mm. which yeah. dollar for dollar is two hundred dollars less, no gas, and we, yeah, it tips, right? But um, I don't know. I, I was like, okay, well, sh- shoot, that sounds interesting. And so we called a company, and um, maybe in the po- maybe in the blog we'll call the company, but it, I mean, it doesn't necessarily matter. We called. A moving company, and my grandfather said, "Whatever you do, don't give a credit card. Uh, just hear them out." We're quoting, we're shopping the market, and these guys uh, had some really hardcore sales tactics that convinced me. Yeah, they me. were
0: very pushy. Like you were, you were getting calls like every hour. I felt like
1: yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. But so the 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 process was that they sold you on uh, a contract, which. The contract was based on what you say you would have to move. And they have, like, this algorithm that says if you say chair, chair takes up, you know, four cubic feet. um, And they would sell. The cost of the shipment would be based on cubic feet, not on weight. And so I didn't realize how important it was to be very specific about what we were going to put in a truck. I thought we were just getting a quote. So I gave them a bunch of stuff. And then uh, he gave me a number, and I was like, cool, not cool. Um, I'm not making a decision today. And then he cut that number into a really interesting price, which was that 1490, dollars uh, which was already lower than the U-Haul, which we had spec'd out. And he's like, you just put it on a credit card, and you can cancel up to seven days before. And he's like, but I don't know. Like, I have the truck now. I just checked. We have a truck going in uh, to Asheville if you want to make sure you're on that truck you have to swipe today i don't know if it'll be there tomorrow and i was like i know that's bullshit excuse me i know that that's <laughs> a sales tactic but it's not a terrible one um and then i gave him a credit card information and my grandfather was pissed but <laughs> but the the point was, we, I talked to this guy. He was a strong salesperson, five-star shipping and moving company, all this stuff, totally legit. Here's this contract. Talked me through the contract, but then there was a bunch of fine print, which I didn't fully understand, but it wasn't that big of a deal because it was cancelable up to seven days before. And so we said yes, and... And that's when things got weird again, which we can rewind to an air, you know, a bed bug story from years ago. But things got weird after I said yes, because uh, we had about two weeks before we moved. And then, you know, I'm trying to figure out, hey, when is this moving company going to come and get us?
0: Yeah, there there was not there was very little communication after we signed the contract. So we went from like lots of communication because they were trying to sell us on this moving contract to very little of when are they coming uh when are they dropping it off uh, throughout the whole process we really didn't know when we were going to get our stuff or when we were going to leave it and like where it was going and all that kind of stuff and there were
1: certain things that were like red flags from the outside which was like uh so it's you can pay with a credit card on this first thing but the next one neither either need to be cash or bank check and i was like what is that about And it turns out, and the reason why there's so weird and so choppy communication is because the first company we talked to sold us a contract, and then they sold that contract to another moving company. And that second moving company came and picked up our stuff. And that second moving company did not have the same name or the same maybe star rating as the first. And so that was weird. You know, you get in phone calls, hey, this is, uh, you know, whoever from the moving company. And I'm like, the moving company? How sketchy does that sound? I'm like, are you, what? And he's like, we'll be there tomorrow morning, probably, you know, nine, between nine and 11. I was like, "Uh, uh, okay, Uh, sure. And then it's like, we'll confirm uh, tonight. It's like, okay. So then they're like 8.30 a.m. The next morning, this moving company came and they moved a ton of our stuff out. It was pretty efficient, all things considered. Uh, I made a box of, of workout equipment in one single box that had to weigh over 200 pounds. I thought they were going to use a hand truck. I ended up carrying it down, all the you stuff. You just
0: broke those guys yeah, back.
1: Yeah, it was bad decision. Don't put all of your workout stuff in a single box. And
0: by workout stuff, we mean, like...
1: Kettlebell. Kettlebell
0: weights, dumbbell weights. I have, like,
1: weight so vests and backpacks yeah. that are heavy and all sorts of stuff. It was too much for a box. But the box made it the whole trip. It did not crumble because I taped the shit out of it and put a (laughs) bunch of stuff in it uh like um anyway to support the box but it was just weight 200 pounds is unliftable by a single person almost certainly unless you were a gladiator
0: yeah like that's something that I didn't so when you're moving like across town or you're driving your own stuff the cool thing is is that you can put everything into a tote bag or a suitcase or whatever it doesn't really matter because it doesn't need to fit in, like, this perfect cubic space. But when you're working with a moving company, they really want you to put everything into a box, so which makes sense, right? It's easier for them to, like, stack and fit into this space. So then we had to get, you know, we had to buy all these boxes, which was, like, just under $100, I think, for mm-hmm. the number. And we, hmm. we maybe didn't use like, a couple of them. So No, we, we
1: didn't use just one.
0: Oh, okay. So we yeah. had like one left over. So we, we guess we did pretty good on, pretty good on, on estimating the number of boxes. But um, that was something that I didn't didn't really expect. Was like, oh wow, the cost of boxes and the cost of like you know tape and all that kind yeah. of stuff, which it's minimal compared to everything else. Yeah. But that's something like I, if I were gonna move again, I would like really start collecting.
1: Yeah, I, I boxes or agree. find
0: like a better way to get them. So it
1: was, you know, the boxes should have cost us less, but we didn't have a car and we lived in Brooklyn and the nearest, um, Home Depot with the 16 by 18 by 18 by 16 boxes, which is what the moving company required us to have. And the moving company would have charged us more for boxes if we bought them through the moving company, than they cost at Home Depot, right? So we did that stuff. We bought, you know, we got packaging tape. We got saran wrap tape, which is, I think, the single greatest thing for oh moving. Oh, my God,
0: yes. Uh, that, like, green plastic wrap stuff, you just wrap everything in it, and it stays together, and then it, like, sticks to each other in the box. And it's so, not
1: tape. Yeah. And it's not tape because tape is a pain. Tape is a real pain to untape. You can't untape tape, but you can, like, kind of rip that stuff up, and it gets super strong, so it protects stuff. Right. It protects yeah. plates. It keeps glass from, like, shattering. Um love that we used newspapers that had been recycled from you know uh, my dad's news you know newspaper stand um all sorts of ways that we tried to save some money we did the the moving boxes cost as much as they did because our specific home depot was out and it's possible to have overnighted it to that home depot and went back but the amount of ubers to and from and moving you know 30 uh U haul boxes. It would have been about the same. We had it delivered to us, and that's why it came to about a hundred bucks.
0: Yeah. So, but I guess the point is like it's something to consider that if you are using moving company, you're probably gonna have to get moving boxes. So, add that into your cost when considering. I I think that net net like our if we had rented a U haul or we did the moving company, I feel like it could have been about the same. And you add in like flights and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff because we ended up taking a flight down to Asheville. But we didn't have the hassle of actually having to move our stuff down three flights of stairs from Brooklyn, you know, our Brooklyn apartment, and then back up into our new apartment, which is really like one flight of stairs
1: right. in Asheville. So, and the we would have really probably probably been just a, been Tony, a lot of things, which I I kind of love that, but yeah. it it you're I I think you're dead on that. The net-net, the hassle was lower. Here's the end of the moving company saga was just that. So they sell, the, they sell the pickup to another moving company who then, if they want to, sells the contract again to a third and sometimes fourth moving company. So the third moving company would have been like a storage facility, and then the fourth moving company would be a company that actually brings it down, or you know, invert that so a moving company brings it down and then a fourth place stores it. And so it was three total companies that we were aware of owned or possessed our stuff at some point during the process. Um, and it was very unclear when we were going to get our stuff back. It took one full week from the day that we moved in, which was a, almost just under two full weeks from the day that they took our stuff. So while there was no hassle you know, if we didn't want there to be, there was no hassle moving the stuff down and out of our apartment and up and into our apartment. There was a little bit of hassle on trying to understand who to contact to figure out where our stuff was. And I, you know, I got to work on my yoga breathing (laughs) (laughs) to kind of relax through that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Definitely. and I think something that was really smart and, and I, I hope that all moving companies do this, is that they number all mm. of your boxes and your stuff. So they actually put like little stickers on it and it'll be like box one, box two. And then you'll have a, a like a sheet to kind of refer to. Um, so you know how many items you have. And, you, and so yeah. when we got them back, we were just checking off the numbers to say, okay, we've got, you know, all the items except number 32 and then they went back on the truck and they found it. So that was really helpful in just making sure we had all of our stuff. Uh And then you also, Tony did something really smart, which was you actually said like what those items were. So we knew we were like, okay, box 32 has all of our kitchen stuff. Box, you know, 38 has the workout equipment. So like we were able to go through it and figure out what we needed to pull out first.
1: Yeah. And, You know, those were two different things. So they came with a roll of tape that had lot numbers on it. And it went up to, we had in total 52 things. Yeah. uh, And we had 31 or 30 boxes and I numbered all the boxes and we had a little file of all the things that were in all the boxes. Um, But if we hadn't done that, you know, I had, you know, I, I had said thank you to the moving company about, delivering the stuff i was like thank you guys you did such a good job and then sarah was inside like going through the inventory list and i was like hey tone i think i can't i don't think i can see you know 43 i was like oh oh man because the the section that they had all these like moving blankets right allotted to us was clear so i thought we were done we were not done so that was i think that was a really good heads up you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It'll and I think out. even
0: if you're moving your own stuff, it's smart to label the boxes or bags or whatever you have it in and identify what's in it. Yeah. It just, it's, and, and it I went sure with it's...
1: more granularity than just like kitchen. Right? Mm-hmm. I was, when when possible, right. I tried to dishes. Set, yeah.
0: Spit. Or winter clothes or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah.
1: Cups. Yeah. Um, so cool. All right. So that's I, the moving and packing. We beat that one <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty thoroughly. Yeah. There's probably more. But whatever, that's right. good.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think it would be interesting to talk about as well our experience with finding an apartment in Asheville. Um, I mm. think one of the things that we kept hearing over and over again as we were moving here was, well, one was bring your own job. Um, and But the second thing was, oh my gosh, Asheville is so expensive. Like the housing is so expensive. And we were really surprised by that because we were like, what are you talking about, like New York and Brooklyn is the most expensive place to live in this country right now. Um, you know, and there are other cities, too, like San Francisco, San Francisco is really is right crazy. There. And when we were like, well, Austin is comparable, but I'm like, that's kind of like blown up. So I would assume that that is more expensive.
1: No. But what
0: we found out was that relative to the area in North Carolina, Asheville is maybe on the higher end in terms of real estate and
1: apartments. Yeah, I think it's all backstory. Yeah, I yeah. think it's all the sense of perspective. Everyone in Asheville who's been in Asheville feels that it's expensive. We met a real estate person, Tom, who I think we'll interview at some point, uh, who's, who loves people like us, who are moving in from other cities and are like, mm, "That's not expensive." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, wait, what? That right. house is three hundred thousand. Not mm-hmm. expensive, yeah. but you know, when you look at Zillow. I think that's it. Zillow,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That house that was that's three hundred and forty-eight dollars or forty-eight thousand dollars today in two thousand and ten was a hundred and ten thousand right. dollars, and that's a very real difference in value or in price, at least, than uh, than a not so distant memory for people who have lived here.
0: Yeah, and I mean that—that's honestly a, probably a part of the reason why we moved here is because we wanted to be a part of a uh, community that was growing and that a place where we could invest in a house. Uh, We haven't bought a house yet, but we're, we will eventually, basically we can invest into a house and and watch that property grow, hopefully. So Mm -hmm. we, we are excited that the, I, you know, the, the house, the cost of housing is kind of, on the up, because mm-hmm. that that's a good signal for, you know, buying now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were unsure when we were looking for an apartment to rent. We were unsure of, like, what is a good
1: yeah, price on that, yeah, you know, because yeah. it was
0: relative to Brooklyn. So we were like, well, you know, anything that's bigger and cheaper than what we were paying was good. Yeah. But we, you know, getting a sense of
1: and I And I think we that. still don't, if we're being honest, yeah, we don't I don't know. think we still don't know. I think that we're still used to the price of things in new york and see relative value when things are less than that what we still haven't uh accounted for or gotten used to is like how much money are we going to be making and what does our cash flow look right. like yeah and you know it's all fine and good that we're a couple hundred bucks under what we were paying in new york but what if we're not making even money right how different does it feel in terms of liquidity right. for us yeah and so it remains to be seen Right now, we know that we're in an apartment that is noticeably bigger. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know, four times maybe or five times bigger than our old apartment. I didn't have square feet. on; We didn't get it on this. We didn't get it on the other one. So, it's hard to really say. But it feels...
0: I mean, just the fact that we have... So, our Brooklyn apartment was basically a studio apartment. It had a a bedroom living area um, that was one I'd, space one space exactly and then there was a kitchen area that was like it was still part of the space but kind of divided by a, a wall separator with an open doorway because you took the, took the door, door off, off the of that to make the yeah. room
1: as big as possible so it was a
0: tiny little kitchen space a bathroom and then there was like this hallway closet thing and I, I wouldn't call it a walk-in closet because when once you put in our the
1: actual stuff there's the, no room. The clothes room. and clothing
0: yeah. rack, like you couldn't actually move in there. You had yeah. to kind of like squeeze so by.
1: Our studio was a part of a two bedroom long kind of railroad style apartment,
0: right. yeah.
1: And that was the hallway into the other half of yeah. the apartment.
0: But the point is that we couldn't, we couldn't, couldn't walk by, do, do anything shoulder, shoulder. without hearing the other person. So like Tony and I couldn't be in separate rooms. I mean, maybe if you count the bathroom, but there was really no other. And <laughs> Tony's smiling. Hey, there's really no other, like, privacy. here. like, if I wanted to work on a computer and he uh, wanted to watch TV or vice versa, there was no way that the two of us could do it.
1: Kind of really overshare, but... together. Uh, <laughs> in one of the first acts of our relationship as us being together, um, Sarah was there and I did a magical ceremony over <laughs> the bathroom. And I cast a spell and that spell meant that anything that happened in the bathroom created no noise and nothing was possible to be heard in the (laughs) rest of the apartment and so for the two years that we lived there together not a single sound ever came out of i
0: never heard a single
1: sound you know let one loose (laughs) nope not (laughs) when i was (laughs) in the bathroom
0: (laughs) not true anyway so the point is is that (laughs) the point is that um our apartment now in Asheville is basically two rooms. We have an upstairs space, which is an open living room, giant, like almost floor to ceiling windows. I think there's probably like one and a half feet of non-window in some parts of the room. Yeah. Anyways, there's a lot of windows, a lot of natural ten, light. Like.
1: Ten, ten feet windows.
0: Yeah. It's a very open living room, kitchen, dining space. And then you go down this little spiral staircase and you're in our bedroom. So it's awesome because we have basically a desk up here, a desk down there. You can be downstairs, I can be upstairs or vice versa. And we feel like we can breathe a little bit. And I don't hear Tony.
1: And that's Do in, his magical ceremonies I, or whatever. Listen, we and the ceremony was the not here so Okay. <laughs> but no, so so housing is decidedly different than in New York, right? But it's not necessarily gonna be uh value relative to uh insert some small town in some other state. So yes, this is a uh hot city town in the country. And there is a ton of, uh, I guess, excitement in real estate. There's a bunch of growth. And what I'll say is that when we came down here, we so we did um, three total trips before we moved down. One was a vacation. One was a little bit of wedding prep. And the third was with the intention of learning the neighborhoods at a deeper level than we had before and visiting apartments that might be where we would mm-hmm. eventually move. Yeah. Um, what I was surprised by because you don't see it when you come here as a tourist or come here as a venue checker outer, is just how many really massive apartment new builds and older apartment complexes exist. So we're in an apartment complex that was built in eighteen ninety five, which is bonkers it wasn't
0: built to be an apartment complex it was so it's it's the manor inn it was what uh, oh he laughs at the way i say manor 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 or manor let us know in the comments below yeah okay
1: i like i think manor is like (laughs) someone who's from the most northeastern state in the u.s maine is a manor but it's cute. Go ahead. Continue. Every time Anyways, it makes me smile.
0: Yeah. So the where we're in now was was built to be like a hotel and inn where tourists would stay when they would come to see the Asheville. So it's an it's a very old build. It's all one building that's connected. It's it's like this and weird by mansion. Cute cottages. Yeah. It, it's got like this German mansion vibe to it. But we saw a lot of more, I guess, modern apartment complexes yeah, like built in the
1: last year or five years that yeah. look like an apartment complex in anywhere
0: yeah and and i guess our takeaway from that was we felt like we were in a dorm or a hotel in some sorts because it was like every apartment was the same you know all very cookie cutter but then you had these amenities like pools and workout rooms and parking and whatever else yes. which was cool but it just didn't feel like us in the long run
1: right so when we were thinking about it like sarah made this awesome little matrix and spreadsheet and we can put that on the blog but it was like you know uh the things that we wanted or thought were important um and one of them was character right like the apartment in a dream state would have some sort of character it would be unique it would be beautiful and wouldn't necessarily be brand new. There are ways you can kind of force character into an equation. But on all of the apartments that were built to be apartments that we had seen, it wasn't necessarily a hit for us, right? Like they were, some of them were priced in a reasonable price range, $1,200. Um, studios at like 980 We saw a place that wasn't... Um, It kind of was really sad looking, admittedly, but it was, uh, it was like two bedrooms, a full uh, bathroom and a pretty okay kitchen. But like the whole thing was like wood paneling and funky carpet and it was like 800 and something bucks. I'm like, whoa, that's almost no money for a place that is substantially bigger than we're living in, but it was really sad energy wise. When you saw, yeah,
0: that was. It felt like a trailer vibe, but but like a house. It was really, I mean, apartment. It was very strange. So,
1: so like we saw a pretty wide array of places, and
0: we looked at some houses in West Asheville, which I think is important to Mm -hmm. note because that's like a hot spot right now for people, you know, young people living in Asheville. I guess they
1: call it the Brooklyn of Asheville.
0: Yeah, which is funny to us because we're like, this is not like i mean it's a cool area but it's, it's more
1: the east <laughs> austin or like the east yeah. nashville no, no, yeah. Na- nashville of west asheville right more than brooklyn right brooklyn's this whole beast of a thing that you were, if you don't it's just different
0: yeah it, it's so many things but and i think you know we saw some houses there and they were really nice I mean, they were cute and they had character and it was in a great area where we, you know, kind of felt good like neighbors and community and it was walkable to places in West Asheville. But they were pretty old, I think it's fair to say. Older I than mean
1: this place, though. What do you mean by old?
0: Well, just, I don't know. I guess it just felt like cramped in some of so them that we looked wh- at. What
1: I'll say, and this was a great point brought up by our new friend, Derek, who lives down here. Is that when you look at the places in West Asheville, what feels old are the streets. And so you can't take a U-Haul, like a box U-Haul, into a lot of those streets. And a lot of the houses that we looked at were super tight. Like, like not possible to get the truck that dropped our stuff off, even on the street. Forget about if there were other cars parked. Mm -hmm. And I think that might be what you're kind of trying to reach for where like the houses certainly felt old but they're not older than this place
0: no but i feel like this is like very well maintained com- okay. i mean they they were not saying that they were like run down and like you know dirty or whatever but i, I think it just felt still felt pretty small and outdated a little bit totally but yeah. i mean we also saw a great place that was formerly an airbnb and it was like Completely furnished and redone and new and cute and adorable, but to, it almost felt like we couldn't even. Put there our was own, nothing we could do to there it. There's nothing we could do. Yeah, all the furniture. I mean, we could have asked them to move the furniture out, but it's still, it just didn't feel like us. So we didn't have the best of luck in West Asheville.
1: Fair. And so, uh, I'd say to close this chapter on finding an apartment. Uh, a couple of the thoughts that we thought about was we built a spreadsheet and like a little matrix on what we prioritized and how the different places that we looked at ranked in each of those priorities so that we can Mm -hmm. do it a little less subjectively and make it more objective. Like, you know, based on our numbers, this is the one that looks best. Um, And that helped us to communicate with each other about how we were feeling. Additionally, this place needed a human being to come look at it before they would let us make a, uh, I guess, deposit or put in an application. Yeah.
0: So I mean, because we, so we had looked at houses. We had gone and we'd came to Asheville, looked at houses and gone.
1: And go ahead. Cough it <laughs> <So> out. <laughs> Jeez oh Poor gosh. thing.
0: Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> You're good. Okay. So we had come to Asheville. We had looked at some houses. We didn't say yes to any of them. We kind of felt like we haven't found the apartment for us yet. And then a week after we left, Tony, you know, was looking online. We were kind of looking every day. And we saw something that was very interesting to us. Um, And we we had a friend go and look at it for us immediately because they had to in order for us to even put a security deposit down. And begin
1: um, the application process yeah it was Yeah
0: huge. so it was really like a timing thing which mm-hmm. i think is really i mean this is probably important to know anywhere but we were looking we had visited ashville at the end of the month so everyone was looking to fill their apartment like the 1st of the next month which was not when we were looking to move so timing was a little bit off mm-hmm. there so i would look in the month that you were looking yeah. Or the month before you're looking to move, if that and, makes sense. And,
1: you know, in the bigger apartments, you'll have more flexibility. And one of the things that we learned was that if you work with the building managers or the property managers, you know, and you, you get introductions to them, they'll show you other places that they manage. That was helpful. Um, but the person who actually came here, John Hoppel, episode two, three, three. Episode three, zero, zero, How three.
0: to run an Airbnb with right. John Hoppel.
1: Uh who came to check this place out was absolutely fantastic. But of when we came on that first trip or the last trip before we moved of all the places we saw, the one that was most compelling, at least to me and I think maybe to you was his first apartment, which he showed us pictures of on his own phone. It had really interesting character things, right? Like it had built-ins and it looked just different and it, this space, it was not a huge space, but it was nice, and we hadn't seen any place like that. Um, and he said, you know, I was just, I was on, was it Chestnut? Is he on Chestnut Street? So I think... Yes, yeah. Right, it was so the Jefferson Apartments. apartments on, so he was yeah. just on, um, in, you know, just north of Asheville in, in this it's like kind of... Five
0: Points, five points area, area, which is very close to where we are.
1: Very close. And so he did a he signaled a bunch of things that we hadn't necessarily been able to see. And then we saw pictures online that looked the closest to the place that he had been to. And he had offered, Hey, if you need anything, you will go check out, a, I'll check out a spot for you. And like, I called in that favor almost like two days after he offered it.
0: Thank you, John.
1: Thank you, John. And so um, it was a very long conversation with him and the highlights were, the person who's in there now, I'm pretty sure is a hoarder, but but I do think that there are some pretty good bones here, and you guys could probably do something really nice with it. Also, I think it's better than our first apartment, which was what the seller the was for me, because I think it was probably better than our first apartment, because you have no neighbors below you, you have no neighbors above you, um, and in these old places, the single thing that's a pain is how much noise just kind of like pumps through the walls and yeah, we don't have neighbors above us or below us and it's not necessarily airtight in here. um, Or in terms of sounds like we live just to the side of the (laughs) dumpsters and Mm -hmm. so people will be throwing stuff out and the dump trucks will come. But net net, we kind of have like our own house in this giant weird old manor
0: <laughs> yeah yeah no we i mean it it has its ups it has its advantages and disadvantages it's definitely not perfect but i i really like a, how much natural light we have in this space. B, the location we're in the Charlotte Street area of Asheville, which is just north of downtown. Um, we could walk downtown if we wanted to. We're about a five-minute drive from downtown, which is huge because yeah, we're loud. just kind of still getting to know the area. So it's nice to be close to, to places down there. Um, and, yeah, we don't. You know, we have a lot of privacy. I guess we're not super close to a lot of other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to highlight on finding an apartment?
0: No, I, I would just say look early, and you know that you're probably not going to find a place until about the month
1: before. That sounds fair. Like um, look
0: to get a sense of things, oh, understand the neighborhood. Here's a
1: here's a good point, right? So we, um, right, everyone says bring your own job or have a job when you come. Right. And uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so when we were looking for apartments, we kept seeing a bunch of rules about, yes. you know, you need to have yeah. guaranteed income. And so I think that that's an, that's an important lesson was you needed to have typically, I'd say, what, three X monthly income, mm-hmm. then rent, which isn't a crazy ask necessarily, but
0: when you're well, moving from another city and you don't have a job.
1: Yeah, if you're that's moving for yeah. as we were, which was like this passion thing, we wanted to be here. Right. And we were going to make it work. Well, guess what you can't do is guarantee your income. So they have, and what they used here, which I find interesting, is they have a like, um, uh, what was it, like retirees, and uh, they have this like other way that you can guarantee that you'll be able to pay, which was how much do you have in a savings account and or uh, put three months of rent down, and so we had enough that we could put three months of rent down, um, which isn't that crazy of a request when you're used to, sometimes in New York, uh, first, last brokerage fee and a security deposit mm-hmm. ends up being about the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a little bit, with the unknown, I think unknowns give me a little bit of anxiety, and there's a little bit of this like, unknown anxiousness as to are we going to be able to get places that we want moving here to pursue passion rather than moving here for a job at the hospital
0: yeah definitely I I agree with that because it's one thing to be anxious about oh my gosh am I gonna have enough money to to kind of get me started here and it's another thing to realize that oh no, I don't have enough money to get this apartment that I want, that I, I feel like I can afford it, but I can't prove it yet.
1: And so, like, the workarounds are an Airbnb for two weeks or, you know, Craigslist and become someone's roommate. And there's a bunch of websites, and we can list them on, the, yeah, on there, our site. Yeah, I remember
0: there was like, a Facebook group that someone referred us to that was helpful. So there are ways around it, for sure. But that I think that's a really important thing to think about is, like, you know, figure out your income and your job and have money and savings. And that probably goes for anywhere, but we noticed that specifically about here.
1: Cool. All right. So location, 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 and timing and, you know, income or be able to make a sizable deposit all important when thinking about where you want to be and getting there. Yes. Now, we had this big old space and we moved a bunch of stuff but we really didn't move furniture
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the first week we were pretty much sitting on a side like coffee table and then eating off this other like dining room table so like we didn't have anything we we went to REI we bought some
1: two camping chairs camping
0: fold-out chairs just so we could sit in something but
1: and an arrow bed from bed bath and beyond so yeah. we slept on the floor in arrow an bed and then we had two camping chairs yeah which we eventually used at the table the table was too high for the camping chairs so it was this whole thing <laughs> but um how we were did,
0: basically camping for the first few weeks
1: what have we learned <laughs> I, I the last thing what have we learned about this city and how have we filled our space
0: Right, okay, so we had this huge space to fill, and we didn't want to spend a lot of money on buying new furniture, slash, we both, I think, really feel that it's important to buy used things um, for... When we can. eco. Yeah, when we can, and, and when we find the right stuff, we, we like to be eco-friendly and sustainable, and... We also like the character of old, old stuff. So we went and we started looking around different thrift shops and antique shops. And I think the biggest thing we will both agree on is how affordable some of these places are compared to New York.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, A, affordability for sure. B, is how many there are yeah so so what I'm surprised by is just how many like so we have you know thrift store type things in New York and they're plentiful and the ones that are called vintage shops you know are almost always more expensive and the same is true here yeah
0: for sure there's like the Goodwill you know which is like that's a thrift shop and then you have more you know places that are called antique shops and vintage shops that are just a little bit more curated
1: it can be a single store or it can be this like massive shop and shop i own you know lot 48 inside of this giant antique thing right and so what we're very happy with is not necessarily, like, A, the antique places are gorgeous, sure. And there's a ton of really awesome stuff. But what we've filled our place up with is, like, the things in some of these thrift shops. Yeah. So this couch that we're sitting on is, like, this plush, light brown leather um, that a 100 bucks. That easily, if we put in a shipping container and drove up to... New York City could sell for, I don't know, a thousand?
0: I don't know, but it is definitely more. Like when we saw that, we were like, that's only a hundred bucks. I'm
1: like, is there a zero? We have to
0: get this. Yeah. So we'll probably end up writing a whole blog post about different thrift shops. Thrift
1: shops that we found to be awesome and where all the Salvation Armies are because we have a table that costs. Was it fifteen dollars?
0: Yeah, we got we got a desk from Goodwill that was fifteen
1: dollars. That pretty is much. very yeah. solid. That yeah. is like, I, again, is a zero missing? Right, right. when because yeah. when you go to the antique spots, you know there are tables that are, you know, the exact same. Let's say mm-hmm. four, three hundred, four hundred, and I was like, baby, yeah, let's. Get that even if the legs fall off next week (laughs) you know and it's a floor table like it still was served us well
0: yeah and to be clear the legs have not fallen off
1: not yet but not yet yet. it's very sturdy so I think that um there's a lot of places down here what we've learned is a there's a lot of options when it comes to how to how yes. to fill a place up and i think so one of the th- thoughts that we had was man we probably could have even come with less despite not yeah. having much furniture we've realized that we didn't need to even have that much stuff because if you're okay with buying at vintage shops or at you know uh thrift stores then you can kind of start over probably anywhere but definitely in Asheville at a incredibly affordable rate we stopped at the it you know it's no longer hospice it's got some other name but when we got here we had no you know we were sleeping on an arrow mattress Sarah bought I think cups or plates or forks or something for like literally five cents
0: each yeah yeah I was like yeah a nickel like, how many of plate? these do you need to buy <laughs> <It's insane. laughs>
1: before it becomes yeah. right so it's like Places that get stuff donated to them don't have a margin to maintain. Mm -hmm. They're really just trying to get stuff out of their shop so they can get more stuff in their shop so they can then get that stuff out. Whereas, like, antique stores have, you know, a cost for everything that they're choosing to put inside of that shop, cost them money. Hypothetically, some of them have it donated to to them but like they paid x they need y before they're willing to let go of it um and so you get this a little bit you get the cost of them curating the space which right. i don't always find to be worthwhile
0: right yeah yeah i mean i think i probably would have we ended up selling some of our stuff in new york that we didn't bring with us so we we sold like a bike we sold an air conditioner we sold trying to sell the table and chairs i don't know if we sold them yet but we can easily sell that stuff in new york and get pretty good money for it and it's stuff that we didn't really want or need to bring with us um so i think the lesson there is like sell what you don't want or get rid of it don't bring marie it
1: condo marie condo
0: so, so. style exactly but it doesn't bring you joy get rid of it um sure. and then when you move into your new place like Like, take the time, like, we've really taken the time to go to different thrift shops and antique shops and find stuff that we really like and not just, like, buying, you know, the first thing that we see. Right.
1: And one of the rules there, I think, that has been helpful, and we don't always remind ourselves of it, but it's the idea that just because you have it doesn't mean you need it. Right. And so if you have it, how much would you be willing to pay to have it again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the idea of that essentialism kind of concept. But more than that, it's when looking to buy something new, mm-hmm. just because it's on sale does not make it like good does not make it a good fit just because it's available to, and you could afford it doesn't mean that it's worth it so the one rule that we have is like if you wouldn't pay for it at full price in mint condition for the brand new thing and feel great about paying that buying an older version that is you know less expensive and somehow on sale for this weekend right now while you're there um, doesn't mean that you should actually get it either
0: yeah agreed there were many times when we left thrift stores or antique shops mm-hmm. and didn't buy anything even though you know we were like oh that's cool but we didn't Yeah, like really oh we need an end table
1: like we certainly need another end table oh we still need very much or want need is loose want is for sure like want a coffee table we've seen how many coffee tables in the last 3 weeks but none of them have been like oh if this costs a thousand dollars would we go out of our way for it no Right. Like, oh, that that little desk that Sarah uses for work, right, it was only, I don't know, 100 bucks or 150 bucks, uh, maybe less. I don't know. But like. If it had been 200, I still think it's a pretty good $200 desk. Yeah. 300. All right. Well, maybe they could have put a fresh coat on it, but like structurally. Yeah, it's good. Right. Yeah. Um, and so at 75. Sure. That's actually just a huge value. For us. Yeah, for
0: sure. And so
1: that's kind of, that's all I kind of mean. So it's like we worked a, we bought a car, right? So one of the things that we needed to do to settle in was buy a car. And, you know, our, A, I've never been on, you thought that the moving company called a lot. That was during the car buying process and car salesmen call a lot
0: (laughs) there was one day where tony was on the phone phone. for like literally like 8 a.m to 8 p.m like he i didn't even talk to him because he was on the phone either with the car dealership who was trying to you know bargain with him get him back get us back into the car dealership
1: uber us back to the car dealerships because we didn't have a car like doing whatever to get us physically on the lot so that we would buy
0: Exactly, so it was a car dealership or the moving, you were trying to call the moving company who wasn't returning your calls. And
1: then also my grandfather who is a saint and a, like a crazy man (laughs) uh, who was, you know, he would say assisting, I would say assisting, he was also, no, he was assisting us, but. um,
0: With both transactions. With
1: both transactions, (laughs) but, you know, just, he is so hardcore and, uh, and so, you know, the point is we would gotten to a price with our Subaru that we ended up buying uh, where either of the dealerships, I felt like we had decided was like, this is fair. This is fair. Uh, we would pay for this. And so now, knowing that we would pay for it, how much lower than this can we get them? And so it became this whole thing. And like, how much more can they add to it? because we had already checked the box of this is more than reasonable for the quality and for the brand and for the security and all the things that we think it's going to provide us. Who knows how it'll turn out, but like it has already checked our boxes on how we perceive value. And so now anything else that we can do is fun and a cherry on top, but non-essential and, two versions of cherries that we got from our sweet dealer uh, or salesperson, Dustin, are um, these big old beautiful Yeti uh, mugs (laughs) that we have just to, you know, get a little bit more uh, benefit for a transaction that we were already felt good about.
0: Yeah, I I think uh, going off the, like, surprising elements of our move, I was, we've never bought a car before, and so I was so surprised at how much dealerships will just, like, do anything to get you back into the dealership and to get you to say yes to whatever it is that they're offering you.
1: Which shows up in the most aggressive sense, at least in our experience, with warranties and add-ons and things. And so we had luckily talked to a lot of friends and... Um, you know, advisors of varying senses that uh, were able to talk us through some of that stuff. And we had positioned ourselves to get as much of the information about payments, interest rates, um, warranties, and packages, and all of that stuff without confirming or committing or agreeing to anything. Um, as part of our just we're doing diligence here you need to give us information if you want to be a part of our uh decision making process and i think that that was a huge deal so despite it being our first time and there being a lot of like body sweat from me on you know trying (laughs) to work through it i think that we were positioned um pretty well through the whole process and um all things told i think it went relatively smoothly, hardest part of the whole thing is the Asheville DMV.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. So there's like, there's like one DMV in Asheville, which sounds normal, but it's like everybody is there. They're doing this whole, in North Carolina, in the state of North Carolina, they're doing this whole real ID thing, which is basically... A new law or rule that says that everyone by October 2019 right everyone has to have what they call a real ID which is is an
1: acronym of some sort R-E-A-L.
0: Yeah it's it's just like a certain form of a license that you need to have this little star on it and it means that you can use it for travel and all this kind of stuff so everyone is having to update their ID like everyone that is living in Asheville. And so... It's a zoo. I feel like that, yeah, it's a zoo. It, there's just... And they're it was...
1: understaffed. And those people are saints in some ways. Yeah. Uh, but also, you know, like... we. So we got there, it was 9 a.m.? Yeah. Right? Opens at maybe maybe 7, probably 8, right? But opens early. We went on a middle of the week, and there was a line no joke, out the door, full, the standing room only, inside, people were standing outside. Uh, To get
0: your, there was a line at the door to get your, like, ticket ticket, number.
1: Ticket number. So,
0: it was like a, in all in all, a three to four hour wait. They were telling a lot of people that we might not be able to see you today. So, so
1: yeah, that, I mean, that was the thing that blew my mind. So, it took us 30 or 40 minutes to get to the counter where the guy would then give us a number And we were the first people to get a red marker on our card, whatever that was. And that red marker line indicated that they would not guarantee that we would be seen that day. That was 9.30 or 9.40 in the morning. Yeah. Okay. Closes at 5. Right. And so he told us, you know, probably four four hours and 15 minutes. At this point, they were short-staffed, yada, yada. And so... We made a bold move to leave, and we left and came back around 1.
0: Yeah, around and, lunchtime.
1: And we got seen 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes later. Right. Um, and it was it ended up working out perfectly, but the place had only gotten more crowded.
0: Yeah. So the thing that we learned after that was that, A, you, you can actually make an appointment for the DMV I think online mm-hmm. or you can call ahead so that could be something very helpful you might still have to wait a little bit once you get there for your appointment time because it might be behind but that could cut out a lot of your your time um and be if you don't want to make an appointment like just be prepared to go you know for the entire
1: load up, day. Load up on your making it in Nashville podcast yeah Bring exactly. A, bring an external charger for your phone and just, you know, settle in.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Exactly. It was it
1: was nuts at the Asheville DMV. Yeah. That's it. I heard there's also one in Hendersonville and I would take the 40-minute drive to Hendersonville to sit in line there on the chance that it would be faster. I'm sure that it has to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Marshall, we have a one. lot a lot easier to get into so there are lots of ways around it
1: that's that's our insider scoop now um this is all right so i think we checked our boxes on the things that we had come up with anything else that you're thinking about that you would want to say we're three weeks just over three weeks into this where it is memorial day weekend here in asheville and in the united states because we have an international audience (laughs) What else, if anything, would you like to just say as like a little time capsule to ourselves?
0: I would say the thing that is going through my mind right now is there's a lot of anxiety when you're moving to a new place. Maybe it's just me. I'm a very anxious person. But I think there's a lot of anxiety about unknowns of, you know, where are we going to be living? And are we going to meet people? And are we going to have a job? And how much money are we going to be making? And what's it going to be like? And the biggest thing for me is like to just stay calm and be very grateful for everything that you do have and know that it's going to be fine. It's going to work out great.
1: I love that. I, as I was asking that question, was thinking, what would I think?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, my thought is not so different. It it has to do a little bit with our last solo podcast, would that be statement stuff? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that what I'm most proud of through this process is despite how many things could have led us to be just high stress, loaded with anxiety, where's our stuff, who are these moving companies, oh, no, we need a car, how much does this car cost, how much, oh, wait, all these things that we had never done before. And all of the reasonable, you know, socially at least, reasonable excuses to get really stressed out, Mm -hmm. we really didn't with each other. And I hope that felt right to you because it felt pretty right to me. Um, It wasn't like hiding it. It was just like letting go of the need to somehow or another be right or have made all the right decisions Um, was very helpful for me and, like, was a huge thing. And then also the idea of or wanting to, I guess, congratulate us in some small way on saying it Mm -hmm. and creating it. Mm -hmm. Um, I am super happy to report that, like, we have a website that's real. We have a business, more importantly, a business that's real. Yeah. We have friends here. We have people who are interested in working with us. And what, a month ago, none of this existed.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think there's something to be said about that, that about how much is possible when you show up.
0: Yeah, And just sort
1: of let go. Let go and be.
0: Right on. Right on, right on. (laughs) So that was episode five on the things that we wish we knew before moving.
1: Yeah, and um, we mentioned our interview with John Hopple, which is making it in Asheville 003. We mentioned our uh, idea of starting with B loosely, which is making it in Asheville 002. Um, and did we mention Gilly on this podcast? We didn't. Not that, explicitly. That was our but most you were
0: alluding podcast, and yeah. you
1: and you alluded to her with the idea of like we have met people who like we're hanging out with now, and Gilly is one of those people, and she we're hanging out with her tomorrow night.
0: Yeah, she's awesome. If if you are into learning about how to open a retail shop slash you're into eco friendly sustainability.
1: Or if you're just into, you know, cool people. (laughs) Like, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) Because I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm dying to open a retail shop. I've thought about it a lot over the years. And I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm, like, super green and, you know, know how to recycle and care to learn necessarily. Um, We do, right? But there's something, I think, about her ability to just kind of, like, make this thing, make something from nothing, say it, do it. Um, Which is the thing that if I'm going to bet what the theme will be for the next 10 episodes, it's going to be something about um, just doing it. Like just saying this is something that I want to do and solving for all of the variables that are unknowns Mm -hmm. and making it so. Yeah. At any rate.
0: Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, share the love. Uh, we are very excited to have a lineup of new interviews coming your way in the next or few weeks.
1: real estate, or I was hoping to find another R word to make that work. Photography, wedding planning,
0: so on. Photography, wedding planning, so on. We have a lot of people, <laughs> planning, yep. so lot of people in this industry so that are coming on the
1: show. Or you would like to be on the podcast, reach out. And the way to do that is go to makingitinashville.com. There's a contact page. There's um, a bunch of forms that you can fill out to suggest uh, podcast interviewees and businesses that we should look into. So episode five, I hope that you found it valuable. We certainly intended for it to be. And without further ado, uh, let's play that really fun outro music from Commonwealth Choir. Right on. Good job, Sarah. High five. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>